that's my secret cat. I'm always angry. <laughs> Run out of patience. On the roof! Hey everyone, Cap Captain, big fan, Spider-Man. Avengers! Assemble. Hello, Peter. Hello and welcome to the Infinity Saga and Beyond an MCU fan podcast. My name is Jordan, and with me, as always, talking Loki Season 2, Casey McGeorge. Oh, how's it going, everybody? Going good. Uh, we were just talking offline, but, you know, this is also the weekend Spider-Man 2 came out on, on PS5, so I beat the main story, and once we're done this, I'm going to do a couple chores and get right back into some of the exploring New York. So it's been a good time. Uh, what a good weekend to have Loki dropping Thursday night, and then I had to wait like two hours pretty much to and then start playing the game. So it was a good time. Yeah, because uh, it was good what, like four weekend. or five o'clock, uh, four or five o'clock your time that Spider-Man unlocked? No, it unlocked at midnight exactly. Really? Because that's not yep. what it said. Yeah, because I had it pre-downloaded, and I was watching the countdown, and I was able to... It only let me start it at 12. So I watched Loki, I think, an hour later because I had to help my wife with something. So I watched Loki at like 10 to 11 and then had like an hour to kill where I like I got my dog situated, go potty, you know, give them their medicine, stuff like that. And then all Spider-Man until like 2 a.m. And then went to bed, woke up and had the day off and just played. 13 hours total on, on Friday. <laughs> yeah, because like when Starfield unlocked, it was like a, a GNT or Universal time. Yeah, it's it. weird. So it was it unlocked like sometime during the day for me. So by the time I got home, it was good to go. Um, Do you think so, that was because it was early release? Because you had like an early release for it, right? So maybe it was a little different. Uh, Maybe. But it was also because it, like they, they've done weird things with games before where like, Australia and New Zealand, since they're like the first ones to hit the day, like they would always be like the first ones to get games unlocked, and it was just this weird thing. I don't know. Um, I know Super Mario Wonder came out Friday too. I think. Yes. So those were the switch. Yeah. All right, so we are talking Loki season two, episode three, which is entitled eighteen ninety three, directed by Kashra uh, Farhani and teleplay by Eric Martin and Kasra Faharani and Jason O'Leary with story by Eric Martin. And it premiered October 19th, 2023 on Disney plus in the synopsis. Loki and Mobius go on the hunt to find everyone's favorite cartoon clock as they try to save the TVA. I'll tell you, they're nailing the, the Loki synopsises. Like they're, they're even fun, you know, with like, everyone's favorite cartoon clock in reference to Miss Minutes. They actually added more words than they had to instead of cutting words <laughs> like yeah. they did in Secret Invasion and some of these other shows. Much better than Nick Fury fights. Uh, Fury <laughs> yeah. has trouble. Faces a dilemma. <laughs> uh, okay, general thoughts on, on this episode, Casey? Really good episode. I think it's my favorite so far of season two. 
I agree. I think it's probably my favorite of the Loki uh, total. I mean, this is kind of what I expected season one to be more of, you know, time hopping Mobius and Loki teaming up, going to different times, almost like Marvel's answer to Doctor Who. Um, and that's what I'm that's what I'm having fun with on this. This season has given us that we've been able to go to the 80s. We've been able to now go to 1890s and, you know, just get to see this is what the TVA was all about. Time travel and all that. This has been a lot of fun. Plus, we got to see uh, He Who Remains, or as he was known in this time, Victor Timely. And also, this is the episode the scene comes from that I was talking about at the end of Quantumania. Yeah, I was thinking of that when I watched yeah. this morning. And I Bef- thought once Bef- I got the title, I was like, oh, this is going to be it. This is going to be the time we see it. Before we get to that, can we talk about the Marvel intro for this one? Yes. Good good shout there because I need this I need the soundtrack released, okay? Because I need this intro. I really I really music. dug it. The yes. Marvel piano music was outstanding. It like it just it set the it set the entire tone for the rest of the episode. That mm-hmm. you were gonna be back in time the rest of this episode. And I was like, okay, as soon as I heard that, it took me a second to kind of like... It was like, when it first started, I was like, oh, okay, they're just doing an intro with piano. And then you start hearing the notes and you're like, oh, it's the Marvel theme. Yeah, like this is the whole thing. And then as it goes on, you're like, oh, the entire theme is going to be this way. Okay. And then I was like, you know what? I'm I'm down for this. Let's, if we're going to do this, let's go whole hog. Yeah, apparently, like, Natalie Holt, who does the music, apparently released either a snippet of it or the full thing Thursday morning. I didn't see it until I sat down to watch it, and I'm thankful I didn't get spoiled on that because I thought that was a lot of fun just to kind of notice it on your own. Because sometimes when it comes to that kind of stuff, you're almost tuned out sometimes. You're, like, so used to the Marvel fanfare or whatever, and then it starts going, you're like, oh, this is new. This got me locked in a little earlier, I think. Not not only that, but sometimes, especially like on Disney Plus, you're watching like the Marvel intro. You can either skip it. Yeah. Uh, you can like when you see like when you see it coming up, and you know it's gonna be like thirty, forty five seconds of the Marvel intro with all the characters and stuff. You're like, okay, I can make a run to the bathroom real quick. Maybe you pause it. Maybe you're like, okay, let me grab a snack, grab a soda, you know, something, or you just hit the skip ahead thirty seconds. Uh because you're like okay it's the marvel like logo like i've seen this how many times so far i don't need to see this again um if somehow you haven't watched this episode yet or you did skip this ep- or you skip somehow you skip the marvel yeah logo intro go back and watch that just for the listen for the music it is outstanding Yeah, no, the, that that part was really, really great. And I love this whole intro, actually, where we get to see kind of where Ravona went at the end of season one, where she originally was thinking she was going to meet up with He Who Remains. And Miss Minutes kind of breaks the news to her that he's, that he's dead, but that he had a backup plan, right? And his backup plan here is to give this book a present. We don't really see what it is at first, right? Give the book to that window over there and Ravona is the one that has to deliver it. And uh, 
it's a young Victor Timely's house, and I kind of you know, sniffed that whole thing out before it started. Though, as soon as yeah, as yeah. soon as Miss Minutes was like, "You gotta, we have to take this, and you have to throw that into that window." I was like, "Okay, that's gonna be a younger version of him, and that's gonna be the TVA because like you can look at the shape. Like it wasn't if it would have been like a box or something, it'd have been one yeah. thing, but basically it was just like a little note, like a little moleskin notebook wrapped up in paper, and I was like, "Oh, that's the TVA." Good job, because I did not think TVA book at first. I'm like, oh, I wonder what this plan is. And then when he opens it and you see the TVA book, you're like, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I think is what I literally said, because, you know, that leaves some huge ramifications. Um, he's getting information that he shouldn't have. The book is written by Obi. And we kind of talked about that in like the first episode when they mentioned Obi wrote this book that I was kind of like, well, maybe Obi is more sinister than we think, but I think what it's going to be instead is he kind of got all the ideas from Obi to then kind of set himself up, you know, and kind of, I don't know if it would accelerate the timeline for him. Cause this is where we can kind of get into time travel, the, you know, grandfather paradox or bootstrap paradox where uh, you cause the event you're trying to prevent or you cause the event, you know, so yeah, if you if you bring yeah. Shakespeare's works back to him, did Shakespeare create them, or did you create them by bringing them back to young Shakespeare, and so on and so forth? Right. And in this case, like, let's say you give him the book, and does he does he go find Obi and make Obi write the book, and then that's a loop here, or you know what? When he sets, is he going to set up his own version of the TVA? Is this the same He Who Remains as always? And the reason that that's a question is because they go to the sacred timeline in 1868. But when we get to 1893, it says it's a branched timeline. And that to me is making me wonder, okay, well, maybe this wasn't the original He Who Remains. It still could be. It could come from a branch timeline, I guess. But just, uh, or maybe it just accelerated his his growth into who he's going to be. Maybe he would have not done that stuff later, but he wants to accelerate this to try to get back into power or something like that. Um, it's a lot of, uh, there's going to be a lot of questions when it comes to, to that approach on, on how that's going to affect what we're seeing here, because this Victor timely doesn't share too many similarities with he who remains of what we know, right? He's got a bit of an accent. He's got a stutter, which we didn't really see before. And uh, he's a con man, a little bit more of a con man. You know, he was kind of pulling a con in there with uh, selling the, you know, having a partner and selling the thing and it not actually working. And then him having to escape and try to get out of there. So yeah, he's God. a little bit more of a, I don't know, con man, yeah. I'll say this, and maybe this is just me. Uh, I don't see how I, this is going to sound wrong and heartless. I can't get duped by a con man who stuttered. Like, I, <laughs> I, 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 how, how, so I've done a lot of public speaking. I've had to do a lot of presentations to or job interviews and stuff like that where you're trying to sell yourself and everything. You have to get up there in front of crowds of people and in various Right. Okay. Right. I, I get it. Some people, like Samuel L. Jackson, actually had a stutter as a kid. I think he still does. He said it comes out every now and then. 
but like he kind of got into acting. I think James Earl Jones was the same way. He had a stutter, right? It, so I get sometimes that's something you cannot control. And I'm not, if it's a disability for some people, I'm not knocking that. But if you're a con man, like part of that is confidence. Like you have to, you have to project confidence. You know, people have to have confidence in what you're trying to sell them. Okay. When you're trying to sell me stuff that doesn't work and you're constantly stuttering, you're constantly trying to get the words out. Maybe this is just me. I don't see how anybody can have confidence in something like that. I don't see how these cons can work. Because to me, that tells me, even if it's just uh, like, even if it's just something as far as nerves, like he's nervous and that's why he's stuttering. If he's that nervous, he doesn't have confidence in what he's, he's selling me. So I can't buy it. And I'm not going to buy it. I get it. We need it for the story here. But that's just one thing that kind of griped me. It was like, I, I can't, like, how these people get duped by a guy with a stutter, man? I just don't get it. Yeah, I can kind of see that, I guess. But I, I, I think you're, I think the idea is that almost like there's this genius underneath of the stutter, right? And you're seeing it work in the, you know, in the, in the presentation so they're like oh okay that that's how that's how it's gonna go uh he's a smart guy type of thing but yeah so he makes a temporal loom out of out of a uh that's focused more on light bulbs than it is about time like we see but it's like a miniature version of what they're trying to fix at the tva before we get there though, Loki and Mobius are then tracking down Renslayer and they get to the 1893 Chicago World's Fair, which of course was a real uh a real world's fair in uh 1893. And but before that, they actually went to the 1868 yes. and they walked by the window like they couldn't re- like they're just they they said they're there. They're like, okay, something happened, but we don't know what it was. There's nothing here. So they basically just keep going. Yeah, because then they see that she was only there for a little bit and then jumped to another time. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder, it's one of those, like, I wonder, had they maybe investigated a little bit, maybe they would have, could they have been able to find it? I don't know. Yeah, that's, I I don't know if they would have. I like the scene, though, where they're kind of, talking to each other and they're like you know did anybody of note come from here and they're right outside his window yeah you know and it's like this juxtaposition of like they're thinking of like maybe other people that have come from here but like literally the biggest bad they've ever faced is from there and is right in that window is is two feet away on the other side of a wall uh, but yeah, so this is a real event that happened. They had, you know, different pavilions, like a German pavilion. We get to see a Norway uh, style pavilion that has the Norse gods. And we see uh, Loki, or not Loki, we see Odin, Thor, and Balder the Brave. Balder is also a Marvel character. Um, I love Loki's reaction then of like, why did they include him? Nobody's heard of him. And Mobius is like, I've heard of it. That's Balder the Brave. Um, that's another one of Loki's, uh, Loki and, uh, Thor's brothers. Um, Thor's not even that tall. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
I wonder if that means we'll ever get Balder. I think this might be this might be it for a bit. Uh, well, apparently, yeah, they tried to include him like four times in, in the past, like all three Thors, and it was another one. They tried to include him, including even the costume designer, as far as like came out. And I think they said they had a person. Uh, I think uh, Daniel Craig. I think they said. Apparently, for Multiverse of Madness, yes, he was supposed to be in Multiverse of Madness as one of the Illuminati, and it was going to be Daniel Craig. I think scheduling uh, messed it up or something. Could be, or yeah, who knows what? But it it was it 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 was kind of denied. But like, even part of the cast and crew were like, "That's what we were hearing on set that that's what you know he was going to be involved in that," and then it never came about. Um, Just like apparently there was a, a rumor for a while that. They were trying to get Tom Cruise to play a version of Tony Iron Stark Man. Yeah. Iron Man. Um, and who knows how far that went. I think he was filming his Missions Impossibles at the time. So yeah, uh, probably couldn't work. Um, the, yeah, they, so there's there's they've tried to introduce Baldur the Brave and he's been cut out of all the Thor movies so far. So um, who knows? I think there's a rumor going around that maybe that's Mobius. Um and Mobius had a great line in there. He's like, you know, I keep forgetting that you're actually one of them. Like, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing I kind of brought up last week. That like you kind of forget that Loki's an actual god, and like right. Loki is, you know, he's not just a regular dude like Mobius is. Like he knows magic, and he's a trickster guy, and like he does some things in this episode, you know. But it's one of those you kind of forget because you haven't seen him do those things in so long. You're like, oh yeah, that's right. He's kind of a badass, and he can do all these other different things. Yeah, and then also they see this sign for Vic- Victor Timely's Temporal Marvels, but there's also a little reference here that says Ferdinand Lang. We don't know if that's supposed to be a Scott Lang relative, Ant-Man reference, or just you know a little production nod or something that they were putting in there, but that looks like that's in in the German uh, pavilion uh, in this place. But what about Mobius using it as a as a way to just go and around and see the World's Fair and eat all the food? Yeah, I like that too. I mean, he it's kind of like a little miniature Epcot World Showcase where you're able to go around and go to the different pavilions and you know eat the eat the food of the people. Uh, they go to the Cracker Jacks section or whatever to get some Cracker Jacks. And I mean, it's a good point by Mobius, too. Like, he's like, hey, maybe that's it's a high traffic area. Maybe we'd see Renslayer there, but they end up not seeing her until they go into the Victor Timely show. And, uh, you know, their their whole mission at this point is to find Renslayer and Miss Minutes. And they kind of stumble upon victor timely and uh i kind of mentioned that last week of you know with them needing the aura the temporal aura of him that maybe that would draw them to him and uh it kind of seems like more like they stumbled but i i liked how they don't, used. don't forget the newspaper too they were they were just kind yeah, of wandering around yeah and then you know Post- the newspaper boy says something about a you know giant clock or or what, what, whatever he said, you know, scaring everybody. And that's when they're like, oh, wait a minute. That, you know, that obviously that's Miss Minutes, but, you know, it's one of those like, hey, 
they go, you know, buy the newspaper and there's a, a crude drawing of Miss Minutes in there and it's like, okay, we're on the right track at least. Yeah. And then they start, then they start tracking down Miss Minutes because it has, uh, like in the paper, it's got, oh, it, you know, this, this magical clock or whatever we're seeing here, seen in this pavilion, seen in that pavilion, scared people over here. So they're trying to like just wander around and like, okay, let's check out. It says they were in the Bavarian section. You know, oh, well, I'm over here. Let's get a bratwurst. You know, I, I can yeah. imagine Mobius doing stuff like that. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, let me try this schnitzel. What, what is this schnitzel here? You know, so on and so forth. Yeah, so uh, when they're in there, we get this, you know, nice display from from Victor Timely as he is showing off his prototype and then it leads to a, a bunch of people chasing Victor here as he f- gets found by Renslayer and Miss Minutes. And at that time, we also get found, he also gets found by Mobius and Loki. And then of course we get the other people that are a little upset about being scammed. And we get, you know, three to four groups here chasing Victor through the, through the fair, but Renslayer gets to him first. And I think she's able to kind of make a little bit of a, good enough impression since she got to him first a bit here. I, Cause I think it doesn't help here that Sylvie is going to appear and also attack uh, he who remains. And since she has the ties to Loki and Mobius, I think it leaves Victor a little war wary, you know, of, of that group. And he's going to kind of go more with uh Renslayer and miss minutes when they have a moment. But, the scene on the Ferris wheel is just absolutely f- so freaking cool uh, to see uh, th- this fight scene as they, you know, also kind of get stuck up there at a point and you have, I always like these type of chases too, where like somebody gets on like a certain object and then it becomes almost like a waiting game of, okay, can we like find a way out before we get back to the bottom where like the people are waiting for us and, uh, yeah, all of that. What the Ferris wheel Ferris wheel scene is probably a, a a huge highlight of action for this show, especially this season so far. Yeah, the, the, like I said, you get to see uh, Loki do some more magic, especially one where he makes the guy disappear in, in front of the crowd earlier. Um, <laughs> I love that, and Mobius is like, like sells him as a magician, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then he's he's in the he's in like the little chicken coop or something outside yes um sylvie pops up from out of nowhere and uh you know like i said she did tell loki that if she if she caught another variant she would kill him um which i get but man like you'll literally spend the rest of your life doing that because there's an infinite number of them and they're never gonna run out like at some point you got to give that up man like you you don't have the time and you, you it's a never-ending battle. Literally, it's a never-ending battle. Just let it go. Right. Um, <laughs> I once again, it's been so long. I kind of forgot that Sylvie was a badass too. You know. Yeah, we had this scene on the Ferris wheel here, where he, you know, Loki is really trying to make sure that he remains as safe and. Sylvie is is kind of keeping a distance. He keeps doing this thing where they're like almost 
you know, he's pushing one, pulling the other, you know, using his magic to try to get around them. And we're kind of getting another take on the, on the scene again from the first, uh, from, from the first season's final episode where they have this conundrum. It's almost the same sort of, almost the same sort of, uh, ethical question, right? Of, okay, do we kill him and allow more of him to sprout up and start this multiversal war? Or do we limit free will, right? As kind of the, the two options they were presented at the end of the show last year or two years ago. And we kind of get this again here where now she is trying to go after somebody that is a variant. And it's almost a juxtaposition of her herself, right? And I think that's what gets her at the end of the episode, not to skip there, but it kind of plays out in this scene too. She was hunted down as a variant because she wasn't supposed to be the way she was, right? And it kind of ruined her whole life. They were constantly chasing her. She was constantly on the move. While, just for being her. Right now, she's chasing Victor Timely, trying to kill him, just for being somebody that looks like a guy that, you know, uh, she she wants to take out. And it's almost like a reverse of, of the first season in that case. And like I said, at the end of the episode, when he's pleading of, I'm not that guy, right? Like I'm not him yet. Or, you know, that kind of thing. I think it kind of got to her because I'm sure she kind of said the same sort of stuff to Renslayer when Renslayer's chasing her as a kid and probably put her in a bit of a spot of, you know, what am I, what am I doing here? I'm taking out maybe an innocent guy. We'll see. Right. But we're kind of taking out, an innocent guy before he even does anything. And that's exactly what they were trying to do to her. And I think that kind of weighed on her a bit and made her ultimately walk away uh, at the end here. But like I said, it also plays out in this, in this Ferris wheel scene. Yeah. Um, we also get a, I, I like the, like I said, skipping to the end. I like the confrontation between Renslayer and Sylvie. Um, I thought there was going to be like an actual fight scene. Um, I was kind of excited for that. Unfortunately, I was disappointed because there was no actual fight scene between the two. I would have enjoyed seeing it, um, even if it was just for like a quick minute or something. Um, but I, I it, it it brings up kind of like what I talked about. I don't know if we talked about it off air. Um, when we talked about uh, the Twilight Zone, the 90s early 2000s revival that had Forrest Whitaker where uh, one of the episodes um, they sent in the future they send uh, once again who's the girl from 27 Dresses she was on Grey's Anatomy Catherine Heigl Catherine Heigl yeah. Catherine Heigl back to Germany um, to be a nanny for young Hitler and her mission is to kill a young baby Adolf Hitler Thus, stopping World War II and the Holocaust and all that other stuff. Um, the twist being that uh, she, in turn, takes the baby. They go through the whole episode. Hitler's father is very trusting; doesn't like people around his young, uh, his young son. Um, consequently, 
Uh, she runs off with the baby. She gets to a bridge in the middle of winter. Jumps off the bridge, uh, killing herself and the baby. There's another nanny, housekeeper, somebody who's chasing after her. Doesn't want to go back to the house without a baby. So she in turn buys a baby that's approximately the same age off of a young homeless person. Uh, off of a uh, homeless woman in the streets of Bavaria, Germany, wherever it was. Um, and consequently, that ended up being the Hitler who changed the world. Not the baby, not the, the, the baby, you know, that bit, that ended up being the one that caused the Holocaust, not the one that they killed. So obviously it's Twilight Zone. There's always a wicked twist at the end of be careful what you do or what you wish for, blah, blah, blah. But this is kind of the same thing is Sylvie going after Victor Timely. Does that push him into being he who remains and causing all of this? Be, or does because she lets him live, does that cause all of this to happen? Had she killed him, would this have solved the problem or would that have made things worse? And it's unfortunately not something we don't know. We'll find out in the next three episodes. But it's one of those predicaments where it's like this. You have a thought in your head where it could go, but it doesn't mean your plan's going to go the way you think it will. And especially with time in the future and you don't know how things are going to end up. That's one of those weird things where it's like, ah, is this something you really want to do? Because if you do, there's going to be consequences. Those consequences could be, there could be greater repercussions for anything than you can imagine. So, Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, like you said, when you're dealing with time travel or any sort of alternate realities and stuff, it leaves a lot up to, you know, Anything can happen. Anything can change. Um, can especially now that they're the, in this non-sacred timeline now, too. We can go back to The Simpsons and Treehouse of Horrors, I think, too. Where Homer said, I wish, I wish I hadn't killed that fish. And it changed <laughs> his whole life. Yes. Uh, what season was that? <laughs> that might have been Treehouse of Horror too. Okay. I don't know. Where he had the toaster that caused time travel. And it's probably right. it might be one of the greatest lines in all of the Simpsons. I wish, I wish I hadn't killed that fish. Um, so he gets away with with Frenzler. They get back to his like, uh, his laboratory hideout, hideout, whatever you want to call it. He has some notes and stuff that they're gonna grab, and then they're gonna try to get to Wisconsin where his main laboratory is, and. They have to take a boat, and while they're taking this boat, they start to have this uh, nice scene of Ravona and and Victor bonding. But Ravona makes a fatal mistake here. She uses the word partnership, which we know Victor doesn't like. He said it earlier in the show when he's dealing with the uh, people who wanted to go in as a partner with him. And when she goes to sleep, uh, she wakes up as they are dropping her out of a rowboat and leaving her behind. Uh, what's your thoughts on this, Casey? Uh, he's not a big deal of partnerships. She said partnership. He immediately withdrew his hand, and Miss Minutes picks this up immediately. She's like, oh, 
and which is good for Miss Minutes because she kind of has this rivalry going on with, with Ravona a bit. Oh, there's no but, rivalry. She's straight jealous <laughs> of, of Ravona. Yeah, but she gets uh, Ravona gets left behind, and then she has like this determined look on her face that she is going to get back, and she gets back in a pretty good time. Actually, she's in that laboratory. Uh, not you know, not too long after. She's got some strong arms. Oh, man. Um, there was obviously a connection there between Ravona and Victor. And I don't know. I, I was reading some stuff earlier. It's it's one of those, I don't know if, if there's a romance. There's all kind of thoughts of, of what the connection between the two is. Are they, is there, was there previously a romance and she was, her mind was wiped? Um, along with everyone else in the TVA of things that have happened. Is she a long-distant relative or a descendant? Is she another variant of Kang uh, herself? Like a female variant, just like Sylvie is a female variant of Loki. Yes, um, I've heard that I've heard that theory, and I, I want to talk about that real quick, because I think that's interesting. Because not only would it be a little bit of a twist, that's not what it's usually like in the comics, but it'd be a good parallel to Loki and Sylvie, who are variants of each other as well. Uh, so you would have like Kang and his variant woman self, Ravona, and Loki and his variant woman self, Sylvie. I think that is a pretty cool dichotomy if, if we're going to go that way. But when you bring up relationship, I do want to highlight this because um, I think people might know this from if they Googled and stuff, or especially during season one when they name drop Ravona Renslayer, and some people might think, oh, it's just a reference or whatever. But this episode tells me that they're going to go more down the relationship path, I think. I think it was clear Victor liked her a bit, right? And Oh, yeah, they, they had a thing. Yeah. They had a thing. If she hadn't said partnership, I think he would have been really sold on her. Um and Miss Minutes is going to say at the end of the episode, too, like, oh, I'm going to tell you the truth now to Ravona, and it's going to make you mad. There's a few ways this can go. So in the comics, Ravona is like Kang's girl. He does so much stuff just to be with Ravona and loves Ravona. There's this great comic I totally recommend people read if they're interested. It's called... I think I covered it on the show before. It's called Kang the Conqueror. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, only, only myself left to conquer. I think is what it's called. Um, it's like a six issue arc. I read it uh, before Ant Man Quantumania came out. I also put a review on our blog um, where I've been posting comic reviews. It is just full on Kang's the main character does this he has this great there's this great issue that really focuses on the ravona relationship with him and it's kind of like this almost like twisted love story of like throughout time he keeps stumbling upon almost a different variant of ravona through different ages and and stuff like that and he's always drawn to her and he trying to keep her alive and he keeps failing and he goes back in time and tries to do something else to keep her alive and, and stuff like that. And I'm wondering if that's where they're going to go with it in the sense of maybe she's not the one that was originally 
in the relationship with him. Maybe this is a variant Ravona, and the reason he kept her around and why he was why she was uh, second in command or whatever is because of how much he does love her and reminds him of the one that he loved. Um, they could go that way. They could go the way of he fell in love with her now, right? Like now. And this will become, Victor Timely will become the he who remains. And he's going to base everything off of this Ravona here. And this Ravona may die. And then he has to go back and find another variant of her. And then that kind of sets the motions of everything that way. It could go, you know, there's so much they can do with this, but I'm glad we're finally approaching this relationship that, you know, when we were first introduced to Ravona Renslayer in season one, I'm like, okay, maybe we are going to get Kang then. Cause we weren't really sure if we were getting Kang in that show yet. And then, you know, uh, they've, just kind of ran with it now. We're getting Kangs all over the place and we're getting Ravona Renslayer maybe ending up in love with him. I guess we'll find out, but I'm really excited for it. I, I think she's been great. I was glad to see Renslayer again. It almost felt like she has been here the whole season now. Cause this episode was very focused on her and Victor timely a lot. And I really liked that. They took the time to spend that on them. Well, you know, who is in love with Victor timely? Is old Miss Ness. This was great here. I <laughs> did I was not see online. that coming. I was reading online after this, and somebody posted this thing that was really funny. It was like, as I'm reading like the post mat, you know, the post show threads and stuff. People were like, "Wow, I really thought we were going to see <laughs> Kang f a clock." <laughs> I mean, she was really going in on him, and she, she wants yeah, a real she human body. For- yeah, she wants a body and everything. She was, she was, uh, she, she, she's laying it on pretty thick there. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, ease up a little bit. Just, just, you know, ease up a little bit. It'll be all right. Um, yeah, she was but, saying, I love you. And not anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he, he messed that up. So now he's got two enemies out there for sure. In Miss Minutes and Renslayer. Um, and yeah, and he actually Rens- goes with Loki and Mobius. Like, now he's on the other flipped side, right? Like, he's on the total other end now. Miss Minutes brings up a really good point of why would you cross somebody who knows? Which I get because Timely isn't, we don't know where he's going to end up. But as of right now, he is not he who remains, so he doesn't know all these things yet. But Miss Menace brings up the aspect of why would you cross someone who knows all of your dark secrets? And then that's where she had a conversation with uh, Renslayer. You talked about where she says, I have a pretty big one I'm going to tell you, but it's going to make you mad. So, what do you think it is? I think it has to do with something about her role in the TVA and her history with Kang is my guess. Um, we saw at the end of season one that Ravona's variant was a principal or a teacher in a, in a school and X 15 or B 15, sorry, pointed it out to another hunter to be like, look, this is actually, we're all variants. See how this lady is, you know, 
not actually Ravona. And I'm thinking it was it's going to be something along the lines of he's been in love with her. The original He Who Remains was in love with Ravona Renslayer or something, and you know brought her in as a as a variant and uh has kind of put her in charge of this as almost like I'm trying to figure out the way I'm trying to word this cuz now I'm also thinking does she know that she's a variant? I can't remember if they just, if she knows that in season 1 as well or if cuz if not that might be what Miss Minutes is talking about too. You know that She's not her actual self. She is a variant of a person who was just a teacher in a school, you know, who now is kind of thrust in this position of power due to he who remains making her Judge Renslayer in the TVA. But I think it's going to have more to do with the actual relationship between her and Kang because, like you said, Miss Minutes is now a woman that's scorned, right? (laughs) And she knows everything about him. And she says that there is something that's going to make you mad. So I think it's going to be more about the power dynamics or the relationship between Kang and Ravona uh, is what that's going to entail. I think it's going to be one of two things. Either the fact that they were in love in a relationship previously and he wiped her memory or that she is actually a variant of Kang herself so there's something inside of her that you know she's capable of doing that she doesn't know yet the only thing i think that that theory about her being a variant has going against it i think is miss minutes seemingly like not liking ravona at all because i feel like she would love any version of he who remains but maybe, maybe not, right? Like, I, I don't know what her type is. <laughs> Talking about a cartoon clock, but I don't know what her type is uh, when it comes to relationships. So maybe she is only in it for Jonathan Major's, you know, look of Kang. But uh, I would feel like if Ravona is a Kang variant, maybe she would not have such disdain towards her. But I don't know. That's why I'm leaning more towards the relationship of of them being in love uh but how cool was it too at the place where they're having this conversation it's been a while since kang has died he who remains body is just decomposing in the middle of that end of time i thought that was a really cool visual yeah like he was just sitting there like it's been sitting there for ages just decaying uh did not see that one coming either yeah me neither i really again this this show has just been so good for me season two more shows have to get a second season on on this i think because what we're able to do jumping into a season two is having more character moments we've starting to got to know more characters like casey uh we've gotten to know more about b15 we got to know more about loki and mobius and then you get to continue their arcs like Ravona was pretty much just a judge in the TVA and she was part of keeping secrets. But now we're at this whole other arc of her. That's more fun. Like her 
trying to take down Kang himself now is with Miss Minutes. Like, there's so much you can do with shows that you can't do in just movies. Like, like I said, this episode, the second half of this episode is mostly just Kang and Ravona, and in a movie, you're not going to spend that much time on just those two characters. And so far, each episode has been 50 plus minutes. And they've been able to really just dive into the characters and take their time with the story. The setup of season one is over. So now we just get to continue those character arcs, continue those moments. And that's why I'm hoping, like they said, that they want to have more shows with more seasons. They continue that because sometimes it feels like you just get especially tv nowadays casey you know we're we're used to talking about superstore which had 20 some episode seasons 16 episode seasons right like they had a lot of episodes tv shows nowadays they have like six to eight episodes it's like just as it's getting good and just as you're getting familiar with the characters it's the season's done and then you know it either gets picked up or you know it ends with six episodes or 12 episodes and that's all you get. So the fact that all these Marvel shows so far have been one season and done, hopefully we're getting more She-Hulk because you and I are fans of that. We talked the show. Seeing those characters again would kind of feel like what it's like to see Loki characters again. We were like, oh yeah, we're back in the law firm. We're with, you know, we're with uh, Jennifer and all of her, uh, and all of her friends. And this is so much fun. And that's the kind of thing that, I've been missing when it comes to streaming shows and especially these Marvel shows so far where everything's just been, you know, one and done and then not seeing the character for years. So I I do agree with you, but I think there's a fine balance to strike. So um, I am a huge fan of the X-Files and I'm binging the X-Files again right now. So I'm in the middle of like season two of it. And it was, uh, Kamal Nagiani. He never finished it, but he did a, a podcast, a rewatch podcast of the X-Files in the mid teens, like 2015, 16, somewhere in there. And he's had, uh, people who wrote some of the episodes and like, he's, you know, he's had a lot of people involved with the show on that podcast. So I, as I'm going to work, I'm listening to some of those things going on. And something that the writers, uh, had an issue with was, so back then in the 90s, early 2000s, they would do 24, 26 episode seasons, right? At an hour piece. So they got to do 26 hours of television. You know, 45 minutes, but 26 hours of television, right? Um, so, uh, another, another show like that that I liked that I just haven't been able to finish is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Same thing. They would do like 20, you know, the first season might be short, abbreviated because depending when it comes in, you know if it's going to get picked up for a first season. So you get like 10, 12, 13, somewhere else. But once it gets picked up and gets going, that's when it, you get the full season order of like 20, 24, 22, something like that. So like the X-Files and Buffy, they would have, especially, so for like Buffy, they would have their villain of the season. They would have the big bad for the whole season, right? But then they would also have these monster of the week episodes that they would have to pepper in because 26 hours is a lot to write. So maybe you sprinkle just a couple minutes or something small of like your monster, your big bad of the season in a couple of these episodes. But still, there's probably like six to eight, ten episodes in there where it's just random monster movies, right? X-Files did that really great as well. 
they did a lot of Monster of the Week episodes where it was like, okay, uh, one of the great ones was called The Fluke Man, where it was like this man who was like a half man, half fluke worm, right? And they, they had a bunch of these other things with psychics or these other things where they were Monsters of the Week. Then with X-Files, you had these mythology episodes that were this right. whole greater mythology about Mulder and his sister being taken and this this conspiracy that went along of people with the cigarette smoking man who were the guy that the shadow people behind the scenes pulling the strings and trying to clone aliens and humans and all this stuff and then that alien banner bounty hunter came up and all this other stuff right and one of the writers on that uh podcast with Kamal Najiani talked about it's hard to write that many episodes of a show and keep a consistent story for that long so you have to take some of these Monster of the Week episodes and you have to start coming up with ideas. And even then, even if you say, okay, let's do 24 episodes. We're going to do half and half. Half of them are going to be about a big overarching season-long or series-long thing. Now we need 12 other episodes that we're going to fill in these gaps of just random weird stuff, right? And then the writers were even taught, like the writers even said, like at some point you just start taking stuff off the wall that maybe makes no sense, or just like you, everyone in that room is sitting there, like this really isn't the best idea, but we got to come up with like three more episodes for the season. So yeah, we're gonna do this for Twilicris dummy episode, you know, or stuff like that. Like, but but that's what they end up having to do sometimes. Um, so. Uh, an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer was really great. They were called the Scooby Gang, right? So you had Buffy. She was the Slayer, the one girl of generation who has all these powers and does great stuff. Allison Hannigan's character, um, Willow, she got into witchcraft and she was very strong and powerful with her magic and everything. Um, she had, they had what was called the Watcher, Giles, who was the Watcher over Buffy, but he had all this knowledge about these mystical things and monsters and had this massive library. But he was also a badass himself. He had the nickname Ripper. And they he almost got a spinoff himself. Um, then there was a dude named Xander, right? Um, Xander was just a dude. He, that's all he was. He was just like, they were all in high school. He was just like a 15, 16-year-old dude along with the other two. And he brought nothing to the group. Like, he wasn't very big. He wasn't very strong. He was always the one getting caught or getting hurt. Or putting himself in danger than Buffy had to go save, right? So there was one episode called the Zeppo. And it was based off of uh I think it's uh one of the Marx brothers, like one of Groucho Marx's brothers. I think it's Zeppo Marx. Where they had this whole big thing that was going on in the background of the episode that Buffy and and all these other people were trying to fight. And they kind of kicked Xander to the curb because he didn't bring anything to the group and he was probably going to get himself killed or something bad was going to happen to him, right? What they didn't know was Xander went off on his own and had his own adventure, which is what the episode followed. Mm-hmm. And it showed like there was actually some crazy dudes who almost ended, who had a bomb planted in the bottom of the school who were going to blow up the school while everyone was in it, including like all the fights that were going on upstairs. Wow. Nobody knew about this, right? Except for Xander. Xander saves the day and nobody knows. And then, you know, like it shows at the end where like they're all after every fight, you know, they got like their faces all dusty and 
dirty and there's blood and you know they're talking about oh man i can't believe we made it through that blah 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 Xander just kind of walks out with a smile and it was one of those like you never know what's going on in the background some of the scenes. So I was very long diatribe, but I say all that to say <laughs> I think there's a I think there's a balance because I think there has to be like yeah, it's great to have some of these long seasons for stuff and I would enjoy some of these to have more. But then when I think they've learned when you get to some of these really long seasons of like 20, 22, 24 episodes, there's a lot of them in there that really aren't that good that so sometimes like like these writers and creators put all their heart and effort into stuff and maybe it just doesn't work out and people watch it and say yeah that wasn't that good but they put an effort into it and you can give them credit for that like they tried maybe the idea just it sounded good in their head and it just didn't come out well on paper that's one thing but i think even some of these people would say like sometimes when you're doing these really long seasons like some of these some of these ideas aren't the best, but they don't have a choice because they gotta come up with like three or four more episodes and they end up with less than stellar ideas that end up having to go out there and it just ends up being not 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 their best effort, but it could have been stronger had they cut it a little bit short. So I, I kinda think like maybe the thirteen to sixteen thirteen to fifteen episode thing is kind of the best range for a lot of this stuff. Somewhere yeah. in that range is probably the best idea, or it's not too long. It's not like some of these where you just get six episodes and you got to cram everything in there with six episodes, and there's no side development, there's no other wacky adventures. There's, they might touch on stuff, and you might be thinking, "Oh, I'd like to see more of that," but you're never going to get more of that because they only had time for six episodes. Right. But you know, when you get twenty-four, then you get way too much of that, way too much more of that other stuff, and you're like, "Hey, they should have cut some of that." But if you're like 12, 13, somewhere in there. Yeah, I feel like that's why like cable would always have like 16. Like USA Network shows would have like 16 episodes and it was pretty good balance. Um, Then everything started getting cut to 13, then to 10, and now we're at like 8 or 6. It's it's frustrating. Also with with that too now is because a lot of it's done on streaming and you don't have commercial breaks. Like a lot of it too before is like, okay, we got to fit it down into a 22 minute runtime or a 42 minute runtime because we got commercial breaks and all that other stuff. Then when you started getting stuff on HBO, like you had the full hour. Every now and then you might be able to get like an extra five or 10 minutes or a couple minutes here and there. You get a couple minutes over because it's HBO or Showtime and you can do that stuff, right? Um, But now with, streaming because it's on disney plus because it's on peacock or paramount you can go 38 minutes you can go 56 minutes like you can go all these weird times and tell the exact story that you want to tell for that episode instead of like trying to say okay do we, do we need to cut this out is this going to be are people going to understand this like instead you can now tell that whole story for that episode that you want to tell in the time you want to tell it and I think that works out pretty well sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back to this. This show is only six episodes, but, you know, the good thing is we got a second season, which will bring this out to, to 12 episodes. And to me, it feels like a much more breathable story when you have this. And I actually think season two's pacing has probably been better than season one's, which was a little breakneck speed. This one we've been able to kind of take little moments every episode is 50 plus so far which i like it's 
giving us tons of time to really settle in on the story and the character moments and not no episodes feel like super short to me or very long at all. Did the, did the first season kind of vary? Was it like somewhere 32? I think it did. Just off the top of my 51, head. I think because I know the first couple series that Marvel put out there like WandaVision, a couple other ones had varying run times with some of the episodes. Right. Yeah, that's usually how they are. Even for Star Wars, you'll get some that are like 34 minutes and then some that are 50 minutes. And you're just like, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, Season one was 52, 55, 43, 49, 50, 47. Um, So we're getting a little bit more in season two so far. But we haven't had anything as short as 43. We've had 47, 51, and 55. Um, But it just feels like we're having enough moments. And also, like, they had to set up so much in season one with the whole whole first episode or two is really focused on Loki. What is the TVA? And what the TVA is. While this, we've been able to kind of jump right in. We know that stuff, and we're able to kind of just jump right back into it. Uh, but yeah, so so we have our uh, Kang or Victor Timely decides to go with right. Sylvie doesn't um, doesn't pull she the trigger, right? She spares him, and he goes with Loki and Mobius. They needed his aura, which is why they were getting Miss Minutes anyway for an override. But now that they found the real thing. And that's the thing, too, that I really like is Mobius is like, look, we got the real thing. Let's just get him. But he doesn't know how scary he who remains is. And and Loki can only tell him. And, and Mobius is just looking at, you know, stuttering uh, Victor Timely is like this guy, this guy who's yeah. showing about light bulbs is what we're so scared about. And, and I he th- brings up that's a later. He's like, that's a later problem. Like, yeah, we have our own problem now. So. Right. I guess maybe because I wasn't in the room. I don't see how Loki is so intimidated or scared of he remains. Like, to me, he still wasn't intent. Like, Fan- I mean, and maybe just because I'm looking at it differently, like, Thanos was, was, was scary, was intimidated. He was a mad titan. Um, he remains, Kang, was just a dude behind a desk. That just wasn't intimidating i I think what was so intimidating to loki is that he who remains knew everything that was being said he knew everything that was going to happen there was no way to get around him and to and then he offered him the the choice right of all right kill me take my spot or just kill me and and let everything go and then what you're going to have is millions of versions of me who are going to, you know, fight to the death pretty much and want to take over the world. And then one of them was successful. That was me. And then I instituted all of this stuff. So I think for Loki, it's like, all right, so if we killed him and now we didn't take his place, right? We're letting the timelines grow. There's going to be lots of this guy. And from what he already knew from He Who Remains is that, it causes a multiversal war. And then the fact is, even when that war ends, it was won by he who remains. And then he 
kind of put everything back on the path of being, you know, him in charge of everything. So I think what it is, is like Thanos says he's inevitable, but I think Kang is the most inevitable because if you let the time gro- timelines go, tons of Kangs all wanting the same thing. If you let the timelines not, you know, go, then you have to let he who remains be in charge or, you know, limit free will. I think that is kind of what was so intimidating to Loki. It's almost like this. But but choice. ultimately doesn't doesn't it happen no matter what? Because they killed a future version of him. So he's still gonna end up being in charge, which is gonna lead to that future version of him that they end up fighting. Yeah, I guess that's the question of I kind of going back to the question of is this Victor Timely going to become he who remains or is he who remains really dead? And now we're kind of in this whole unknown territory on what we're in. Is this a second multiversal war that we're building up to after he remains won the first one, or is it a loop? And I think that's a question we're going to have to have answered by the end of the season. I think I would, I would assume that we're going to know more on what the what his deal is right it is and i don't know how they can come out and say it without just coming out and saying it either like i don't know if they're you know they always say show don't uh, show don't tell i don't know how you can show it without really explaining if this is the same he who remains or the same multiversal war if they get to that point that's the kind of thing because you're going to be able to describe it to people that may not be able to follow this stuff as much um so I don't know. I'm kind of, I don't know where they go from here in that regard of how they're going to explain to us really just who he is or, or again, is it all in the past now? Cause like we had before even, right. We had Loki time skip time slipping and he was seeing he remains face everywhere. I don't know. And we're going to get introduced to Victor Timely, maybe possibly meeting Obi, right? Because they have to fix the temporal loom together. And this is a guy he wants to meet anyway, because he wrote the book. I don't know. I'm thinking it's going to be more like a loop than anything at this point. (sighs) All right. Any last thoughts before we wrap it up? No, no. Um, I like I said, I really enjoyed this episode. We got three more weeks. Uh, yeah, halfway through. It goes fast. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we'll see uh, Renslayer again. Yes. Um. Obviously, we know we'll see Sylvie again. Yes, because we still have to get um, to that point of the first episode again. Yeah. Uh, wonderful to see McDonald's again. That's it. Or you think uh, you think we're done with? McDonald's I think we're done with McDonald's. Yeah, I think I think we're done. Or or maybe uh, at the end, Sylvie goes back to uh, Oklahoma to live out her life working at that McDonald's. True. Um, apparently, in the comics, uh, timely created some place in Wisconsin where, like, I get, I guess I read like every block was a different time period oh that's awesome in, in, inside the city so maybe he ends up going to a place in wisconsin because he's already there so who knows 
Yeah, that's uh, there. There's so much good stuff they can do with Kang and stuff, and, and I'm very happy that we are getting him in the show, and not just the films, because he has in the comics so many variants. Uh, there's a reference to this variant in this a little bit here, where uh, when he's hiding out, he goes to the ancient Egypt section, and uh, that is maybe a reference to Rama Tut, which is uh, a pharaoh that a pharaoh variant of of Kang uh in the comics. Uh he's didn't actually they show him in Quantumania or they did. Quantumania, yeah, they did. In the second post credit scene we do see Rama Tut and some of the other versions as well. So just fun that we get a chance to be able to intersect these with the shows where we kind of get more time with him than we get in a movie. You know, if we're, if we're doing this type of story in what 2002, like with Spider-Man one, right. Spider-Man one comes out. That's like the new age of superhero movies. They started making so many more superhero movies due to that. If they tried a Kang story back then you're getting Kang for like one movie and that's it because that's seemingly what they used to do, right? Like green goblin, one movie, he's dead. <laughs> Spider-Man 2, Doc Ock, one movie, he's dead. And then Batman did the same sort of stuff. You know, one movie, Joker's dead. And with this, at least with the MCU, we get these characters over longer times. Like Loki would have been a character killed off in Avengers or Thor 1 if we're talking about early 2000s. Now he's been this character that has been a huge fan favorite and has a show merchandise he's in lots of movies you know that's the good thing about the cinematic universe uh i i agree but i think also going back to those early like spider-man movies the great thing about those where you got you got your conclusion at the end you got your good triumphing over evil um not to say I think Spider-Man 2 was better. I like Doc Ock a lot better now for Molina, a lot better than uh, Green Goblin. Mm -hmm. That's not to say I wouldn't have enjoyed more Doc Ock, and I eventually got it in uh, this last Spider-Man movie. Um, Alfred Molina's a treasure. Love that guy. Um, But, I mean, and, you know, unfortunately, I think they wanted... When they, they they wanted, they would have liked to have had the Joker back for uh, yeah. Dark Knight Rises. Unfortunately, tragedy strikes. Um, so they made some references to him in there, but you know, obviously, they couldn't. You I was also talking about re- Batman eighty nine. Jack Nicholson, yeah. he dies in that one too. Joker. Yeah. Um. Okay, even that one, perfect, perfect one. Like, uh, do you really want more than one movie of that Joker though? I don't even know if you need more than one movie. It's just, well, one, my problem was always just like limiting yourself, right? Like you kind of knew at the end of those movies, the bad guy was dying uh, in those, that era of film. Um, They would just die. Sometimes not at the hand of the heroes, like in Spider-Man, because that would be, you know, not what the Spider-Man would do. Uh, But it just kind of became like a trend of, oh my God, we're killing off these all these characters sometimes it'd be nice to just kind of put them in jail and say hey you know what if we come up with a good story after that we can we can bring them back but um it all kind of paid off in spider-man no way home anyway so it was okay it was good two things on that 
one uh when they made the original he-man movie they tried that and unfortunately they just never got around to making a sequel because the ending was so horrible but they did have like skeletor didn't die at the end he came back two i don't know if they could do it would you like like an arkham asylum movie that'd be great something like that i mean or even so i've been saying this a lot and you know like i said spider-man 2 just came out the game the spider-man game is probably my favorite interpretation of the character over comics, over movies, over shows, all that stuff. Because they do a lot of good stuff there, but they also have a Spider-Man that's in his prime. All of his villains are active. You can run into any of them in the game that you want. They have a lot more time to spend with that too because it's a game and not a show or a movie. But you can, you know, it's a really great story in that first game. The second one has a great story too. The Miles Morales game has a great story. All of that stuff I just really like the way that they've been handling the characters. But one thing I really like is just seeing these villains just pop up. They go to jail. Oh, they come back out at some point and you either face them again, or now they're teamed up with somebody else that you haven't fought before. And now you have to fight them or, you know, you can kind of play around with more stuff. They have history with the character already. Um, so like an Arkham Asylum game or a game that's or like a movie based off Arkham Asylum or a Spider-Man movie that's more like the games where they're all kind of active, you know, just like they are in the comics where they one issue can be an issue with Craven, the next issue can be an issue with Venom and the next issue can be one of Green Goblin, stuff like that. Or sometimes they all team up Sinister Six, you know, that's the kind of stuff I think is really fun. The, the Batman Arkham Asylum game is, was a fantastic game. Yes. Fantastic idea. That whole trilogy is really great, too. I mean, we're, we're really blessed if you're a fan of Batman or Spider-Man. They've got some really great video games. <laughs> we need some more video games based off some of these other characters. But, uh, you know, if you give them to a really good publisher or, you know, like a not publisher, but like a development studio, game developer that can just put the story above everything else they're fans of those characters you get really great games like rocksteady with batman and that whole trilogy or insomniac with spider-man uh we just need to find somebody to do that with superman please that'd be that'd be great but so here's the problem how do you how do you put superman in peril uh kryptonite magic he's also weak to magic because, I mean, so, that, that's yeah. one of the, like, I guess people have talked about it before, but it's one of those, like, how do you really, like... I think you can do it. I think you just need to find a good developing studio that'll be able to come up with a great story that does place, you know, health bars on you for whatever reason. Or I've seen some people say maybe the health bars are on the civilians instead that you're trying to save, and, you know, you have to try to, almost like a... Uh, race to the finish type of thing of stopping them, stopping the bad guys before they hurt anybody else or, you know, something on like a health bar on the city almost, right? Like from going from corrupt to, you know, or being overrun to being completely safe or something. There, there's ways that people can do it, but I think also it's a video game. I feel like I would totally buy a health bar on Superman anyway. Lex could be providing them with kryptonite bullets 
uh, to regular street thugs. There could be, you know, uh, anything like that. Sign me up. Give me a give me a job, and I'll I'll make a Superman game. <laughs> but I think that I think I've, I've in my many years playing games, going online and listening to stuff. That's something that's always been brought up with people want to do it, but it's because of how strong the character is. It is incredibly difficult to give him, put him in a bad situation, or have him in peril. And it's like at least with Batman, he's still human, right? So, like, in the Arkham games, he can get shot and die. You know, same thing with Spider-Man. Like, he can get shot and die in, in some of these things. Um, if, if they did a decent Iron Man game, he's still vulnerable, right? Um, you know, other than, like, Kryptonite, how, like, how do you make Superman vulnerable? How do you make him, you know, have this thing where he's, he's not going to, you know, like I said, like, like you, you brought up, how do you put a health bar on Superman? And it, it's, it's difficult. To, it's difficult to do and, and see. And I guess some people said like they can't really see it happen just because it's, it's Superman. They can't pick up a health bar. Or... Yeah, I guess. I mean, there, there's just limitations you have to ex- accept with gaming too, though. I mean, in the sense of like, I don't know. Superman's had health bars in other Superman games. Uh, I had a Game Boy game. It. Apparently, Apparently, my Game Boy, my Game Boy game was pretty good, but uh, we're Injustice, right? Like he has to have a health bar in Injustice. That's a fighting game. People play that, so. But there was also a lot of rules put into that on stuff that they couldn't do. Yeah. They eh. put, they put a ton of rules in as far as like, I don't like Injustice doesn't have fatalities, but it's made by the same people who made Mortal Kombat series, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and. I think they had their own version of fatalities, but then it was like, oh, we can't have Batman, Superman killing people. Right, right. Because even though it's been brought up many times, like, there's no way Spider Man and Batman don't kill anybody in these games. It's just not feasible. <laughs> yeah, I was just playing Spider Man earlier and I did something that I'm pretty sure would have killed somebody. I threw like a, a car a on top cover, of somebody. Yeah, or manhole cover and whack somebody in the face with it. Yeah, right? they're dead. It, or even worse, they're not dead. They're brain damaged, they're paralyzed for the rest of their life and, you know, like, you know, they're vegetable or they're development disabled now, like, you know, to such a level where they can't do anything for themselves. They can't do anything at all, right? So it, it makes it bad. So, like, Alrighty, well that'll wrap us up. Uh, give me a job, I'll I'll create a Superman game and we'll we'll get it done. But uh, you can reach us on Twitter at to Infinity Saga. Email Marvel Plus Recaps at gmail for any sort of feedback. And we're halfway through Loki season two already. Uh, we're next week is the final episode of the ones that the critics got ahead of time. So, um. I'm expecting another strong episode since they said season two was their was kind of consensus of the worst of the four that they watched. So I'm, I'm really expecting another one that's kind of closer to maybe what episode three was, which we both really enjoyed. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to mostly be Victor Timely and stuff in the TVA with the temporal loom and fixing that. And then whatever kind of stuff comes from 
comes from that, we might get the Ravona Miss Minutes conversation, right? Uh, I think those are two two big strong plot lines that they can have follow up in this fourth episode here. Yeah, we need that scene. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we'll catch you next week when we talk Loki season two, episode four.